Hi, everybody. This is Tara Kerwin. And in today's podcast, we talk about having a difficult conversation. We have to have them. It's a part of growing in our relationship, growing for ourselves, growing with each other. Yeah. And Tara and I talk about a recent difficult conversation we had and and sort of the structure of what went right, what went wrong. And then we offer some real practical tools that you and your partner can use to navigate those, you know, moments that, that aren't the easiest. So stick with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And you know, a lot of what happens in what we talk about here is a direct relation to something that has recently happened with us. And today's topic is really just about dealing with difficult conversations, you know, and and the reality is when you're in relationship, there are frequently difficult conversations and there's ones that sort of creep up on you and they just happen. And there are ones that, that you know you have to talk about mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out, okay, how, when do you want to do that? And that's going to be sort of our overall topic today. Yes. Having difficult conversations. We all have them, whether they're around little topics, big topics. We really want to help our listeners to develop, I guess, a game plan, (laughs) a game plan to, again, we can't always predict what's going to happen, but just a game plan to have a difficult conversation in the most gentle, kind way possible, if that's possible, but it is because we did it this morning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in so many couples, and and this has been sort of top of my mind this week because so many of of my couples were dealing with conflict resolution, you know, and oftentimes when people come into couples counseling, they're there maybe because of breakdowns and feeling connected or breakdowns in intimacy. But one of the things that's having the most impact in those two areas of being connected, of giving and receiving love freely is that there's just a sense of tons of conflict, tons of inability to talk about things in a way that feels good and also comes to some sort of resolution. Right. And so, you know, this morning, EJ and I had, we kind of tripped on each other. And I was like, I'm always trying to learn from every time it doesn't feel good. Like, what could I have done differently that it would have had a, a better outcome? And so... Maybe we can kind of just share the experience of what happened. Absolutely. And then kind of go back into the Yeah, the nuts and bolts. If of only the I would have known this, but now I know it now. Okay. Yeah. Uh so I, you know, we get up at five, we have our coffee, that's our alone time. And it's sometimes it's the only time that we have with each other because then we go into the work, we do our podcast, we have our kids, blah, blah, blah. and so sometimes I have this like sense of urgency to talk about things at five in the morning. But anyway, I woke up and we're writing this book and it's been like a whole process and I'm still trying to get through this one chapter and it's just, oh, it's a lot. And so um, I woke up this morning feeling really anxious, like, and EJ brought me my coffee and I'm just like, oh, like, I just feel like I need structure. I need you to help me like understand like what exactly do I need to do? Because I mean, I just literally, my anxiety hijacked me and I start going into all of this, trying to problem solve and feel okay and manage this anxiety. And I'm expecting EJ to do it. And here's EJ again, five ten in the morning. And he's like, probably thinking, which I can't right put this on you, but what the fuck is going on? Pardon my French. 
And so I think, again, my feeling of it was, oh, he's not being supportive. Like, what a jerk. Like, he's getting defensive. Like, oh my gosh, how I don't even feel safe to talk with, with him anymore. I'm just going to shut this down. And so, so then EJ puts his hand on my knee and he's like, hey, listen, like, I've got you. I've got you. He's like, I'll, I'll, we'll meet today. We'll, we'll discuss it. We'll talk about it. And I was like, oh, I can't even look you in the eye right now. I'm so mad. I couldn't, I really couldn't look him in the eye. So that was my experience. Again, that's how we tripped over each other. That's not the healthy piece of it. So EJ, do you want to share your experience? And then we can kind of go into the prediction, planning, preparing. What could we have done differently? Yeah, so... um my perspective of it is, you know, very much like Tara's. This is our time where we sit down on the couch together. We kind of both wake up. We have like 10 minutes of kind of, you know, doing our own little chores or whatever, feeding the dogs and washing the popcorn bowls from the night before. And Tara's getting her gym clothes on and all that. And we sit down and, you know, well, first of all, when she jumped into like, hey, you know, about what's going on with the book and and why did this happen? Um, there is like an instance for me where I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like, oh, I got to be on attention. Like, you know, I, I perk up a little bit about like, okay, get your, make sure you're focused and you, because I don't want to, you know, and this goes back to my own stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to get it wrong or, or whatever. And I mean, today, like I could just feel that there was anxiety. We had talked about this briefly the day before, so it didn't surprise me at all that this was still on on Tara's mind. Because I don't have Tara's brain and I'm not inside of her, like, I don't always predict that, like, wow, she probably thought about this, like, all night or had dreams about it or it was on there immediately. I did. Um, but I'm. this is a dynamic that we're constantly sort of like working with between the two of us and showing up for each other in the way that, that feels really supportive. So I feel like I was very quickly able to be aware of if I was feeling defensive, not take that track because one, it doesn't work. And, and, and two, I'm trying to convince myself that I don't need to defend myself from anything. I can just be open, open-hearted, honest, and be supportive. And so I didn't get super activated and I and I really tried to be focused on doing all the things that Tara tells me she wants me to do in those moments. So and I'm actually kind of proud the way yeah. it, it worked out because this was more on me and I recognized it quickly when it's starting to unravel and I can't give EJ eye contact. I'm like, oh. And so we kind of stopped and I said, I was kind of breathing. And can we kind of switch it to like what I sure what I recognized? I was like, you know, e, e, like, here's what happened. I was really anxious when I woke up. I had this dream. It's been pretty inconsistent, this whole book writing process. I'm feeling a lot of shame for not meeting my deadlines. I said, and I'm, I'm just needing you to support me. But what I wish I would have done first is to say, hey, here's what I need. I, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety this morning, and I just need you to listen. And then when I'm ready for problem solving, I'll let you know but I'm just experiencing a ton of anxiety. Like I wish I would have done that first because had I done that first, you would have been like, oh, okay. And hang on, this is important. I should have said, is it an okay time to talk about this like overwhelming anxiety I'm having today? Because you could have said, actually, no, it's not a good time. And I could have held on to that 
and waited a few hours. It would have had to still been processed today. But I, so I didn't do those things. I didn't let you know what was going on for me. I didn't say, hey, here's what I'm needing. And I didn't ask you if it was an okay time for me to do my anxiety dump. You were still amazing though. You put your hand on my knee and you were like, hey, honey, I've got your back. We'll get through this. We'll meet today. But again, it could have turned out very differently had we not used our skills. And it has turned out many times frequently. Yeah. In, in not the best way. And and so this was like a total like like victory, victory for me, at least I, I felt. Um, but it's also one of the things I see couples really struggle with is they don't, they want the victories to look like, you know, if you're doing a sports parallel, they want it to look like a uh, an avalanche win, that there was nothing difficult. They won from beginning to end and there was never any fear of it, of them not winning. And I definitely felt internal fear throughout it of like, of like, oh, what if this goes bad? I really don't want her to feel upset and I don't want her to be, feel unsupported. And so it was difficult for both of us in our own ways, but overall the outcome was super positive. I came back from the gym an hour later and I could tell she had let it go. Like she, it didn't seem like she had ruminated. Maybe she continued to ruminate about the book, but didn't ruminate about how, once again, you big jerk. I couldn't <laughs> show up in a way that was supportive for her. This is so important because, again, we have these podcasts because we want to, it's all teaching skills. And we wouldn't be able to know what works or doesn't work if we weren't experiencing the same thing that almost every couple does, which is just like clunkiness and difficult times arguing and lack of conflict resolution because we don't have the skills. And so, and again, this is going on a decade over us practicing the skills over and 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 over. And every time we just try to keep learning from our mistakes. And so it's, again, like, it's not about winning this massive victory. It's like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see if that works. And that doesn't work. That's okay. But I'm going to try it again. I'm going to keep trying it. So we know what works. What works is that even though I was hijacked by my anxiety, EJ normally would have avoided. I would have normally then perseverated and we would have felt very disconnected for probably the whole day. I still got hijacked by my anxiety. I did the same thing pursuing, like, I need help. I need that. And EJ was just like, kind, present, and loving. And he gave me my space. Yeah, I was aware of my defensiveness without letting it run the show. Because to say I wasn't, didn't feel internally like I needed to defend myself would be a lie. I wouldn't be being honest, but- No, I could feel that. I avoided getting caught up into, and then we can, we'll get a little bit deeper in this. I avoided getting caught up into the narrative, meaning the thoughts inside my head that build momentum in becoming more defensive and more defensive. I just didn't let them keep going. I didn't let the story keep running, which for me, the pathway out of that is attunement to Tara is even though like I know she told me that, hey, in these moments, just you putting your hand on me 
and you know, sort of letting me know that you're there for me is important. That's supportive to her, but it's also supportive to me because it brings my focus outside of myself. Because if my focus is just, if I sort of lean back away from her mm -hmm. and maybe avoid eye contact and don't touch her, it's much easier to me, for me to be like, oh, you kidding me like I could, are you blaming me for this and, and it's not my fault you know it's easier for me to do that but if I'm leaning in towards her well then my focus is on her is on taking care of her in that moment and you know what it did in that moment instead of me blame you for being a total jerkhead again right and making it about you I was like man I can tell that this wasn't cool for me to bring this on to EJ in the way I did like I was able to I'm so proud of myself just mm -hmm. like reflecting on just happened two hours ago I was like, God, what could I have done differently to not have put EJ in this like uncomfortable position, even though he still showed up for me? What could I have done? And then I had compassion for you. Instead of normally, it would be like, here he goes, avoiding again. What this is jerk. not working. <laughs> I am out of here. I'm going to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> going to Trader Joe's. <laughs> I like Trader Joe's. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so so what we just described about the situation we went through is how you're doing it on the fly when it sort of like happens really quickly. And that is is certainly a skill that a place you want to get to, but I think what's important now is for us to talk about how do you build those skills in an intentional way? And I think what that is is about having difficult conversations that are very planned. You know, that beginning to say like, hey, we're making an agreement in our relationship that we're gonna talk about difficult things. And because we've struggled in the past to talk about difficult things, we're gonna be really intentional about it for, for a period of time. I agree with that. Yeah, we're gonna say like, hey, like what Tara said at the very beginning, she was like, well, I could have asked him like, hey, is this a good time? But we're gonna take like almost one step back from there of sort of um, preventatively saying like, hey, I would like to talk to you about the bedtime for the kids, or I would like to talk to you about our spending limits and our finances. 
And can we do that? And can we really schedule it so that we know when we go into that, that we're both sort of prepared for it? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Why is that important, Tara? Because uh, you kind of can prep yourself up. You're not like, it's not like this tornado that just moves in. And then again, right, your nervous system gets all like flustered. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to start talking about our budget. And I know that that can feel very overwhelming. And so I'm going to, it's like you're prepping. Yeah. It's like prep is always a really good thing. You're Absolutely. not just, it's not happening in the moment where it can just hijack you. Yeah. And so then, so you say like, okay, well, first it starts with an agreement. Hey, in a general sense, we're going to start scheduling times to talk about difficult things. We're going to ask each other like, hey, I'd like to talk about this. Could we please talk about it at a time where we both have the time, space, energy? Okay, we're going to do that. Next step, like, hey, Tara, I want to talk about the bedtime with the kids. Can we do that? When's a good time for you in the next like 24, 48 hours? She tells me. Planning. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once I know that, and Tara knows that, then there's some there's some legwork we got to do, right? Like I got to go into that, be like, okay, first of all, in a general sense, in these discussions, when they don't go very well, what happens? What are the things that I do that that might not contribute to it going well? Yeah, like what is our role in it, especially if we have different parenting styles for bedtime or yes. different. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I go in knowing like, well, you know, I tend to get defensive. I tend to sort of like let an inner dialogue inside my head run the show. Uh, Maybe I react to Tara's anxiety, you know, like, okay, these are the things that that I do, right? And I'm going to really have that top of the mind. In fact, what I might even do is say like, hey, Tara, okay, we're going to have this discussion about the bedtime. I'm going to tell you like, these are the two things I'm going to try to really be aware, Mm -hmm. you know? aware of ahead of time going into that conversation. And then Tara can say the same thing. Well, here are my, here are my two things. And we're like, okay, like, what, what does that do for you, Tara? Number one, it makes me feel like we're on the same page that we know that, hey, this might not like be comfortable, but we're both taking accountability for our role in our reactivity that could happen. And that we're going to be very intentional around when or if that does happen, that we are agreeing that we're going to probably take a time out. Absolutely. That was like next thing on my head is like an agreement going into the conversation. Like, hey, if this starts to feel like it's getting rough, if it starts to feel like we're sort of falling into that old pattern, can we agree that we'll take like maybe, you know, five minutes, but that we'll come back to it because, because really our goal here. And this is a whole other concept is content versus process. We're we're trying to solve the bedtime, but our super objective above everything else is we're trying to realign our process of talking about a difficult thing. And here's another important thing. If you come back to it in five minutes and just for some reason there is a block and you feel stuck, reschedule the whole dang thing. We're going to come back to it. Just don't even force it you know, hopefully within 24 to 48 hours, but it's okay. It's okay. You might be having a bad day, a bad hour. The kids might be sick. You might not be, it doesn't matter. Just know your own limitations for sure. You know, and, and the other thing I was talking to a couple about last night is letting this all sort of be under the umbrella of we love each other, mm. you know, we care for each other. I want Tara to be happy, you know, I, I want her to be, 
you know, to feel safe with me, you know, and that, and that I just like think like couples need to keep that in their mind and even sometimes like remind each other, yeah. not in the hostile way that sometimes we do of like, we're on the same team. Like I hear that a lot. That doesn't feel super soft. But if I can remind myself and maybe even Tara, like, hey, you know, we want the same things. We really do. I mean, and I think we're getting better at that of like reminding ourselves of like, I mean, greatly, mm-hmm. we want the exact same things, right? Absolutely. And I honestly, like, I love that we still get tripped up because it makes me remember how difficult it was and that like how we just practice our skills because we practice what we preach and that over and over and over again, and that it actually is shifting the way we are with each other during difficult moments. Yeah, I mean, that that to me is one of the most important things that couples have to remember in changing their relationship is it is longitudinal. It's not a switch. It's not from dysfunctional or disconnected to completely functional and completely connected that you are on a pathway and that that pathway has dips and it has moments where it rises up, but it's it's not it's not just like this clear sailing and there's no end point, you know, that's the other thing. No, you just, you know, it's like you just keep going on this journey and learning more and feeling proud and then sometimes feeling bad because you didn't get it right. But really overall, like I, you know, we use the term a lot, emotional safety, like it keeps growing, right? I mean, I couldn't give you eye contact today in the middle because I was feeling unsafe, but within an hour after you left and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, that was different. I was able to give you eye contact. I came to the office, I gave you a kiss. Like it just continues to build and get deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like you said, EJ, it's these little moments like that build trust and emotional safety. And it is forever. You continue to build it throughout because we go through transitions in our adult life, you know, whether it's jobs, whether it's in our relationship, whether it's physical, emotional, like a lot of changes. So things are just... We're constantly being challenged to provide emotional safety for ourselves and each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully you guys uh, found this this really useful. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's a it's a real baseline thing in our relationship is that we're going to have difficult conversations. There's going to be difficult subject matter, and we have to be really mindful and intentional about about how we enter into it. And, you know, a couple of things, we have our uh, our online program, Relationship Renovation at Home, which is a very structured way to go about doing this work that we do. There, there's exercises in it that you do with your partner. There's videos of us explaining concepts. Uh, there's prompts that you receive to kind of keep you going and moving forward. And uh, it, it's really an, an excellent program that we've put together. It's called Relationship Renovation at home. It's on our website. Uh, we really appreciate any time you can share our show and and please go after the show today and give us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And then also uh, in our show notes is a link to leave a comment or a voice memo. We've had some fantastic stuff lately, oh, no. people sharing about their relationship and what they'd like to hear on the show. So please go ahead and click that and and give us some feedback. 
So thank you so much for listening and difficult conversations. It's okay. We just have to have the skills to get through them. And that is why we do what we do. So thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big.